You are listening to a sermon brought to you by Shatter State Chi Alpha. I pray that this sermon will bless you and teach you something new today. And you can find a link to our website in the info. Check it out and shoot us a message. We would love to hear from you. So I guess we'll get right into it. Alrighty. We'll pray one more time. <laughs> can never pray enough. <clears throat> Alright, Father, we thank you again for this night. We thank you again for your word. I pray that uh, you'll just form the words in my mouth tonight and just... Let your spirit speak to your people, to your children, Lord, to my heart, to each of our hearts, Lord. Open the eyes of our hearts once again, Lord, that we would see you um, completely and entirely and see your glory, Lord. Um, We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. Okay, so it's kind of funny because I had like a title for my sermon and then I redid the sermon and then Tanner asked me for my title for my sermon and I'm like, Isaiah 55. And that's not really a title, it's just more of a reference. So he had to come, he actually kind of came up with the title for me. Oh, actually that wasn't the title that he came up. So actually that actually fits things fairly well with what I'm talking about. But anyway, so let's get into it. Isaiah 55, and believe it or not, I only really got through verse 1, which there's a lot to be seen in this verse. I'll read it through once. It says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money? I'm going to go ahead and continue on through a, couple, through a few verses because it's all pertinent. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear to me and come to me. Here and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. The sure mercies of David, indeed, I have given to him as a witness to my people, a leader and a commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So as I started reading this, I basically got through the first verse as far as just notes that I had to, uh, that I had, that just spoke to me, that what God was speaking to me through. So we begin with, ho, everyone who thirsts. And this is God just, you know, basically just crying out to all those who thirst. And I got to thinking, who is it that thirsts? Well, all of us do. All of us thirst for something. All of us we wander through our lives generally with a thirst and a desire for something deeper than we even realize. And yet we, because we don't realize the depth of what that thirst actually is, we miss it. Whether or not we choose to acknowledge it, we all thirst for God, but we do not all seek him. Colossians 1, 16 through 17 says, For by him all things were created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him, in him all things consists. All things were made by him and for him. So we strive for these things that were made by him and for him, but we strive for the things, and we, don't, we, we miss out on striving for God. And so we thirst, and 
we try to run after these things, the things. So I'll, I'll list off some of the things. Relationships, jobs, um, just general happiness in life. Money, obviously, is a big one. Um, so many things. And that's it. These are all things that were made by him and, and given to us even to enjoy. But they are for him. And honestly, without him, there is no purpose in them. We accumulate wealth in many different forms, and it robs us. We pay a great price, and ultimately we are left wanting. This is one of the great evils that Solomon wrote about when he was talking about the wealth that a man accumulates under the sun, and then, you know, there comes a day when you just you're, you're, you leave this earth, you know, and you don't know where your wealth goes. You don't know who you know. You leave it to your children, of course, but you know, on down the line, there is no remembrance of you. And so it begs the question, you know, was it worth? Was what we invested our time in? Was what we strived for to to satisfy that longing in us? Was it the thing that was worth striving for? Or were we looking in the wrong place? The second part of this says, Come to the waters. So it says, Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Satisfy your soul with the eternal word of God. Fall into the, the ocean of God's providence for your soul. Thirst for God. Why should your soul faint and not be satisfied? In him is fullness of life. Life, Yes, we live in this world, but our bodies require health and nourishment. Uh, we live in this world, and our bodies require health and nourishment, but it is of little consequence on the eternal scale if our souls are allowed to perish. John four thirteen through 14 says, Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst again. But the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. We long for as this satisfying this fulfillment of our lives and it comes down to a lot of the times how people perceive us and that gives us this satisfaction in our soul that we've or perceived satisfaction in our soul that we've achieved some kind of you know ultimate glory that uh, there's only faint or fleeting, you know. It won't last. I mean, the woman at the well, uh, particularly, she had several husbands and stuff, and obviously, you know, her life was kind of <laughs> a worst case, well, not necessarily a worst case scenario, but it had some bad, bad things going on. And, you know, Christ wanted to reveal to her that and Christ did reveal to her that what you're searching for and the things that you're putting your efforts into are not fulfilling you. And you're searching for the things that God has created, and you're not searching for the person behind them, the, the creator behind them. And like I say, I mean, we, can, we, we all come to college 
I didn't go to college, sorry. <laughs> but you guys are all here to, to get a job, to hopefully get out and make a little bit of money and make a living in, in life. And I don't want to in any way condemn that because you go back to what... Um, Uh, sorry, what they said in Colossians, that all things were made by him and for him. Well, your job is not necessarily something that God's going to condemn. I mean, maybe God is giving you this job and God is calling you into this, or your relationships. But the thing of it is, is don't seek the relationship first and don't seek the job first and don't, don't stop at that. But seek what God has intended for that person or that job or, uh, I don't know, so many other examples, but whatever God has intended for that to be in your life and however has in, he has intended it to glorify him. I, I, Pastor Jason says this a lot. We live on the fringes of faith, and we're not intended to live on the fringes of faith. And we have this tendency, and I speak from experience, that we go into everyday life and we, we just get by. We just on to the next thing and roll with the punches, but that's not what we were intended to do. We were intended to experience fullness. We were ten, intended to have our thirst for the thing that we sometimes don't even know we're thirsting for, which is God. We, we, we were intended to have that quenched. But when we just go into life and we just live day to day and and barely get by and just do the minimum required uh, put in the minimum required effort to get by, then we miss that fulfillment. We end the day and we're still parched. Our souls still thirst. Our souls are shriveling up and literally dying because we've we've cut it off from its life source before we even let it before it even got to it. And it's hard. I mean, we wake up and that's what we see. That's the first thing we, 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 we open our eyes to this world. And the first thing we think is, oh, I'm so tired. <laughs> I know I do. And then we go to work and we, we're discouraged or maybe scared about what, what, what our job has in store or, you know, we, we're so focused on trying to impress our boss or, and we come home and we, we want to try to make sure that our families have all that they need and, and yet we're, we overlook the one thing that this was all there for, that our job is there for, that our family is there for, that we're getting our college degree for. And I know a lot of us, are, we were concerned about we going into life and going into this, you know, your, your, what you're going into for college, you know, whatever your major may be, and we're just concerned about did God, especially, you know, those of us who, who really are trying to follow after God, we're concerned, did God call me into this? Am I doing the right thing? And it's a good question to ask. I'm not saying not to ask that, but what I'm saying is, is that we're in our area of life. Allow God to use that, you know, don't think that you've made a decision that's taken you too far from what God has intended for you. God can always bring you back, and the closer you get to God and the closer you get to God's heart, the more you will come in line with what God wants for your life. But don't, uh, don't get discouraged if you don't feel like you're in the right place at the moment. I think that'll come. As a matter of fact, the next part of the verse says, well, 
says, and you have no, who have no money, come and eat. So, I mean, part of the reason I think that we, we, we get a little afraid of whether we're doing the right thing is, you know, we don't feel like we're sacrificing for God. And the only sacrifice God asks of us is a broken and contrite heart, that we put him before our wants and our needs and our desires, that we realize that we have nothing to bring to him. Which is what really stuck out to me about this part of the verse, and it says, you who have no money, come by and eat. There is a cost, but it isn't money or anything we can barter for. We have nothing in our possession that could afford the food that God offers us. It's been paid for, just come. All that we need to live is set before us in his word. You don't have to bring, well, you don't have anything to bring <laughs> to, the, to the table for God. Just bring yourself. So when you are starting to feel discouraged about, or just starting to question, not necessarily even feel discouraged, but starting to question you know, the direction your life is going, just remember that when you're seeking for that direction, don't contaminate that search with things that you think you can bring you know, to God. God has it all there. He's already provided it all. Just don't miss the fullness of God's table. Don't miss all that he has set out for you because of the things that you see that you have or the things that you only that you see that you can bring to God's table, you know. It's already been set out. Don't miss it because of that. Day after day God provides for our needs. And I thought of Exodus here in um when his people were in the wilderness. And, of course, they're there for a long time, and they had to eat something. And God provided for them. Um, Exodus uh, 16, 12 through 17. I guess I could let you turn there, but it's quite a bit, so I'll just read it. It says, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quail came at evening, and God covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted on the surface of the wilderness, there was a small round substance as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's needs, one omer per, eat, per person, according to the number of persons. Let every man take, those, take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some, and gathered some more and some less. So the children of Israel, the only thing they had to do to, to eat and to be filled was to go out and pick up the bread. That's all they had to do. That's all God asked them to do. And some of them picked up bread for their families, and some of them just took 
whatever they needed alone. But all they had to do was just walk out the door and pick it up. And the point is, is that we have God's word. This is Christ is the manna, the bread from heaven. And, and all of who God is is written, is written in here. And all of who God is is in the person of Christ. And so it's all right there, and all we have to do is pick it up and read it, and we'll be filled. It's readily available to us. We have to surround our day with God's Word. You know, we have to get up in the morning, and, it's, and you know, we have to get over that feeling of tiredness, and we have to get over the thoughts of the day that are going to hit us first thing, you know, whatever loose ends we left from the day before, whatever people we may have displeased, and remember that it's a new day. God... God's word is still the same as it was, and it's still all you need. There's nothing more that you can do. There's nothing you can do to diminish God's word, and there's nothing you can do to add to it. All you have to do is get up and take it and eat. Man does not live by bread alone. Man does not live by the things that we can intake physically and carnally but by every word that flows from the mouth of God. It's important to know because I think way too often we focus on the bread alone. We focus on the needs of our body, and God's word says, don't worry about tomorrow or, or you know, what you're going to wear. Seek first the kingdom of God, you know, it, the Bible is full of verses like that, you know. And, and that, that verse in particular, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it always spoke to me. Um, well, it started speaking to me for a long time because I finally understood it wasn't just about seeking first the kingdom of God and then all these things will be added unto you. Actually, I skipped a little bit. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Because I would always focus on the last part of, of having all those things added unto me. And so I wasn't really focusing on seeking God. I was just focusing on wanting those things. And it just hit home one day when God said, Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And he, he didn't even let me finish the rest of the verse in my mind. He said, Just seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Stop seeking the material the, the carnal things in life. He says, I will provide those for you. That's the point of that verse. I will provide that for you. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. I have all you need to live. I have the everlasting water, the water that will spring up to a well of eternal life within you. That's just it. And that's, that's, that's what we're really talking about here. That eternal providence, that is eternal life. That is life with Christ. That is, when we die, God's providence doesn't run out. That water doesn't run out. It springs up into eternal life. It transforms us into a new being. The things of the world leave us wanting and leave us hungry and leave us thirsty. And we know that. We t every one of us tests it every day. And as you get older, you know it more because you become more worn out by it. I think maybe in college, uh, relationships are one of the bigger things, you know. 
we, we're always looking for that someone to like us, someone to approve of us. And that's just it. That ends eventually. There's always a limitation to people's approval. There's always some kind of stipulation to an approval. But there's no stipulation to God's approval. We've been made righteous by God. We just have to believe that. We just have to have faith that that's enough. Man, we would be set free if we knew that. I mean, there again, I speak from experience. It's like day after day, it's like, if my fears were just gone, if I just trust God for the approval I need from from work, you know, instead of instead of working to get the approval of my boss, which of course I need because otherwise I'd be fired, but working to get the approval of God, to look at customers in my job as people that God loves instead of just a customer and the next paycheck. Because this is how this translates into our lives. This is how this abundance of of God's providence, like his nourishment for our souls, his word, his, his, his water for our souls, this is how this translates into our lives by looking at everything we do through God's eyes. And I know that's, that's a hard thing to do, way easier said than done. Trust me, once again, I speak from experience. But I also see the freedom that it brings you when you can do that. Because when I start looking at a person like as a, as, a, as a customer or at a customer as somebody who is a person that God loves and rather than just a paycheck, then I want to do a better job for that customer, which is actually me wanting to do a better job for God because it's somebody that God loves. And if I'm going to show people I care about them, it doesn't just come down to a pat on the back and, you know, a good word in their ear, although that never hurts. People need encouragement verbally and, and, you know, in many ways. But we have to manifest that in the way we interact with those people too. For you specifically right now in college, you want good grades. Well, you want good grades so that you can get out of here and get your job probably most of the time, although I won't say that for everybody. I think a lot of you want to serve God, but we have to keep that in mind that we have to look at our college professor as a person that God loves, worthy of our best. We have to look at our fellow classmates as people that God loves, worthy of our best. It's all part of living in that fullness of God, coming to him. Allowing him to give you the nourishment you need and not not hindering that by either false pride or by somehow thinking we have something that we need to bring to him. Just let God give you the nourishment you need. Just come to him. Day after day after day. For 40 years, the Israelites were in the desert. They got discontented with what God was giving them. They didn't think it was enough. They complained about it. Consequences were severe for that. 
Don't complain about what God has given you. Be content. It is enough. It really is enough. It's more than enough. Where you're at, it's more than enough. You have to look past. I just, I always, the, 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 the words of our pastor Jason at C3 keep coming back to me, not live on the fringes. Man, live in that fullness of God. It speaks to me so much because I, I want to be there. That's what I want for my life. That's what, that's what I need for my life. That's what my wife needs for my life. That's what my children need for my life. My prayer for you tonight is that God would give you a longing, a light of fire in you about this. That you couldn't shake it. That you, day after day when you wake up in the morning, that it just that it's there nagging at you, you know, persistently knocking at the door. <clears throat> and give in to it. And don't be afraid of how you're coming to God. I know there's a lot of shame in life, a lot of guilt that we bring. That's okay because that's what God does for us. He leaves us, relieves us of that guilt and of that shame. That's the point. So don't be afraid. Don't let that hold you back. Don't let anything hold you back. Well, I think that's pretty short and sweet, but um, like I say, that's the cry of my heart. I hope it's the cry of your heart. I think it's the cry of God's heart. I know it's the cry of God's heart that we come to him and just come to him. Don't stop making excuses and stop allowing life to distract you. And I know there are many of us here, and this isn't... I think this is a message for God's people specifically too because I think uh, we get complacent sometimes. And then we start doubting what God has done for us and we start, well, we wander through the deserts. Like we, you know, we like to say that and that's, that is something that happens to us. We, we get parched and we wander through these deserts and we, somewhere along the line we veered. You know, We were headed straight to God. We were on fire for him. We wanted him and then somewhere along the line we started veering off, and and suddenly we're, we find ourselves thirsty and hungry. We haven't kept in God's word. We haven't manifested it in our lives. We haven't sought it and strived for it. We haven't been willing to humble ourselves and, and fall on our knees and, and lay prostrate before God, begging him for it. God is faithful. He'll give it to you. He loves you very much, but man, he wants he wants you to come to him in humility and he, he sometimes he'll let us and allow us to veer off the path a little bit. He loves us though. He'll bring us back. And I know he loves you guys. So I tonight I encourage you um to really, you know, tonight get in your word, get in the word of God. Be with him by yourselves. I mean, 
this is kind of a between you and God thing, you know. It's a building up of yourself with God and going to him and laying aside the cares of the world and just start practicing it. And then in the morning, practice it again. And then pretty soon throughout the day, you'll start um, sending up prayers to God and you'll start thinking of God more often. And just keep doing it, keep pursuing it. Pretty soon it'll be your life. Pretty soon you you will have tasted and seen that, that goodness of God, that that overwhelming just joy that comes from knowing that you have found satisfaction finally. That you have finally found that wellspring of life. Anyway, I'm going to wrap it up with a prayer. And uh, I think then after, after this quick prayer, I want us to all gather around and pray for uh, Tanner and Courtney. Uh, things sound a lot better, and I'm pretty encouraged by that, but they can always use our prayers. So I'll wrap this up with a quick prayer, and then we'll gather around and do a corporate prayer for Tanner and Courtney. Father, I thank you again for your word, um, for your message in our lives, Lord. Um, I thank you that you are the living water, Father, that we can come to you when we thirst, and not only when we thirst, Lord, that we can just come to you We need you always, Father, and I pray that we wouldn't let anything hinder us from coming to you, that we wouldn't get distracted, that we wouldn't be prideful, that we wouldn't be ashamed, that we would just come to you, Father, because you're there. All you ask of us is to come, and you will inhabit our praises. You'll guide our hearts to you. Just pray these things in your name. Amen.